everybody. Boy, it is great to see you tonight. Tell somebody sitting nearby you're glad to see them in church. And as always, those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad you've chosen to be a part of our service this evening. And we know it is going to be a blessing to you. So God bless you. If you'll stand with me tonight, we want to just take a moment and, uh, and just enter into his gates with thanksgiving, uh, give the Lord some praise, invite his presence in tonight. I don't have a specific request to bring to you in terms of prayer, but I know there are requests all over the, all over the house. So if you have a need tonight, just lift your hand uh, to represent that, and we'll, we'll take that before the Lord as well as we pray. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise. Lord, we um, just honor you tonight. God, we don't take this for granted. Uh, we don't take it lightly, Lord. We, we want to pause in this moment and just say how grateful we are that you choose to meet with us and your, your goodness and mercy to us. And you brought us back another time into your house. So we thank you tonight, Lord, and we anticipate what you will do this evening, Lord. I pray your anointing would be all across the campus, everything that's done, the word that goes forth. And, Lord, for all of this host of needs tonight that were represented by hands lifted, Lord, so many needs, God. But you're a great big God, and you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I pray you'd move, Lord, and we will come back and say, look what the Lord has done in Jesus' name. Now, if you'll just clap your hands to Jesus and rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you again so much. Thank you for your prayer and your praise to the Lord. I spent a few minutes uh, on Sunday morning talking to you about the upcoming Grace Church calendar, kind of our schedule, and it was a little lengthy, and I have a a similar presentation tonight, so buckle up. Uh, It's just a busy season. We've got a lot of things on the agenda, a lot of things coming up. And I might even have uh, an announcement or two tonight that I didn't have Sunday, so you have to listen carefully. I may work those in here just to see if you're listening. So bear with me just a moment, but we won't, we won't take long. But there are some important things that I want to bring to your attention. This Sunday, Blood Drive here on the campus, uh, just such a great opportunity to give to the community, give back to the community. Please make a note of that. Come prepared to participate in the Blood Drive. And then let me also mention this coming Sunday is the deadline for your Christmas for Christ offering. So if you have put off getting that into the church, this Sunday will be the deadline for that. Really excited about Brother Steve Cannon coming on February the 5th. So not this coming Sunday, but the next, ministering in the 11 o'clock service. And as I mentioned on Sunday, Brother Cannon is the general, uh, or, or with our uh, United Pentecostal Church International, he is the um, children's ministry president of our entire organization in North America. Uh, you may remember he came some time ago as part of a children's rally that we did here in our, uh, we hosted it here at our church for the whole region. And of course that service was amazing. We really made a connection with him that time, that trip, and pastor asked him to come back and minister in an evangelistic service in our worship service. So it won't be necessarily a kid's themed uh, service. I don't mean that, but that is his credentials. That's his background, has a burden for children, uh, and he's going to have a presentation and a ministry for us on the 5th. So bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great service. 
Also on February 5th uh, in the evening at 6 p.m., Pastor would like to meet with all of our Connect Group leaders for the upcoming semester over in the Alexander Center. So if you've signed up to lead a Connect Group, you need to be in that meeting at 6 o'clock on the 5th of February. Uh, make a note of that, uh, leaders, and help us out. Uh, by the way, we had a great, great um, Connect Group fair on Sunday. It was amazing. A lot of great response, a lot of great ideas, a lot of great Connect Groups. So now the next step is to talk to the leaders, get everybody in place, and then it'll be go live. So we're looking forward to that. Um, child Dedication Sunday will be February the 12th. If you would like to have your child dedicated to the Lord in that service, contact the church office. And then uh, the ladies' tea that we've been announcing, February 26th, that'll run from 2 to 5 p.m. that evening. That's a Sunday afternoon, I should say. And that'll be over at the Cottage Tea Room. And you do need to pay $25 um, to be a part of that. And you can pay that on the uh, church website, on the, uh, tithe, uh, on the Easy Tithe app, so or a tab, I should say, so you can pay there. Final announcement, ladies, March 9th to 11th is Women's Conference in Tioga. That's getting close. It's coming up. Our, our ladies are always blessed by that conference, and you will want to be a part of that and be blessed by it this year. So make a note of that. That's March 9th through 11th. Amen. Amen. If you got it, say, I got it. All right. Well, good. I'm glad. I know y'all were writing feverishly and getting all that into your calendar, so that's that's great news. I'm looking forward to the Word of God tonight. Looking forward to what Pastor has for us from the Word of God. So as he prepares to come and teach Bible study tonight, would you just clap your hands one more time to the Lord? Let him know how much you love him. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Great to see you. And uh, as always, thank you for uh, being at Bible study tonight. Look forward to this service, and uh, so glad you're here. We're coming. We're coming. Thank the Lord, and uh, still feel excited. The excitement from Sunday, just such a man, such an amazing service, and uh, uh, just the Lord had His way, did some amazing things here Sunday morning that I am so very, very thankful for. Uh, as uh, Brother Davis mentioned and does, did so well with all of the announcements uh, in reference to the care groups since Sunday. We've added two more uh, care groups that some of you may be interested in, and I've been asked to present those. Um, Boo and Melanie are hosting a connect group at their house, and it is called Dinner with Darlis. How many knew that was... Boo's real name. Apparently, no one. Uh, that's his name is Darlis. I wish he was here to have a little bit of fun right now. I would say if he was here, now you know why they call him Boo. <clears throat> I don't know. That's why I'm just joking. Um, but it will be at their house. It's a couples cooking class. This class is limited to three couples per class. Each couple will assist in cooking a three-course meal and dessert and then sit down together with Boo and Mel in Boo and Melanie's home and enjoy the meal over great conversation. All ingredients and supplies will be provided. Each couple will also receive a custom apron, and the cost for this class is $20 per couple, and they're doing one per month. It's uh, almost pretty filled up. The last time I, 
I heard. So if you want to be a part of that, it's filling up pretty quick. Uh, Gloria Nixon is hosting one called Golden Oldies uh, for anyone ages 60 and up. Uh, she's asking you to join us to play games and fellowship over a meal, and this will be weekly. So uh, check out the church app. They're all on there now, and uh, you can sign up if you want to be a part of either one of those. Uh, I think Sunday I was told we had eight care groups or connect groups, and um, with these two now we're, we're up to ten. I'm very thankful for that, and uh, I hear uh, they're, they're filling up nicely. Somebody told me tonight that uh, what the dynamics of the Loves Connect group is going to be, and uh, we may need to end up doing some prayer and fasting for them and uh, what have you. So uh, that hope they can persevere. Just his grace is sufficient is all I can say. And, uh, but God bless them for what they're doing. Thank you all very much. And right down the line with everybody, uh, our Connect Group leaders, thank you all so very much. And I'm looking forward to the meeting Sunday night, February the 5th. Uh, let's jump into Bible study tonight. Before we do, one more thing. Uh, I'm just so sorry to bring this um, our one of our pastors uh, pastors in Eunice Hunter Lacombe uh, 34 years old passed away yesterday and I would like for us to pray for his family and certainly for their church and uh, if you think of that over the next several days please, please pray uh, for these folks very tragic situation and, uh, but God knows and we trust God's kindness in situations like this. Um, very heartbreaking situation. Please lift them up in prayer. Uh, I want to just jump right into our Bible study tonight, and I'm excited about this. And uh, I think you should be too. I want to read several scriptures, and you'll notice immediately uh, where this is going. Uh, first of all, from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. And 2 Chronicles 20, 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of of holiness. I looked up that phrase and it just simply means it's it's confusing sounding and the English language pretty much does a poor job uh, in trying to represent the true meaning of some of these verses. It was in Hebrew and also in Greek. But again, he that and it, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise that should praise the beauty of holiness. That phrase means to be clear, to shine, to make a show, to boast, and thus to be glamorously foolish, to rave and to celebrate is what that means. The psalmist said in Psalm 29 verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Psalm 96 verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. This is four times in the Bible that that phrase is used to worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. I want to talk to you about holiness tonight, and I'd like to title this The Beauty of Holiness. If you want to worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness, then what is it? Let's talk about it. <clears throat> Before I launch into this, this particular Bible study, I do want to remind you in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the writer of Hebrews said to follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. Be at peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. I take it tonight very clearly from the word of God, and I don't know how this could be even subject to debate. It's Old Testament and New Testament. That holiness is something that is very important to God. It is because... He is. And it's important that um, we understand that. When the Bible said in Hebrews 12, 14, that no man shall see, the Lord shall see means to gaze with wide open eyes as something remarkable and does not mean with simple, simply voluntary observation or merely mechanical, passive, or casual vision but still more emphatically with intensive, earnest, and more continued inspection. So when the Bible tells us that you're not going to see the Lord, this is what that means. Uh, this Bible-based uh, material is for everyone who has a desire to please God through the conduit of holiness. We know that there is a strong cultural trend sweeping churches of every denomination, but particularly the apostolic church is particularly what I know, that is not hungry anymore for holiness. It's become a burden to a lot of people. But the Bible is very clear on its stance. If you're going to worship the Lord and if you're going to see the Lord, it's going to be through the conduit of holiness. Uh, of course, here at Grace Church, it is a necessity for all church leadership. This is why we have the leadership class. And then anybody that wants to be in leadership, that's having a title behind your name. Um, it's a must. It's necessary that you embrace uh, the principles of holiness. So you must be open to the Word of God and have a spirit of willingness a, a spirit of desire, and certainly a spirit of obedience. Let me give you the concept for holiness. I believe everybody understands here tonight that John chapter 3 verse 5 is a very important and essential teaching. It is talking about the new birth. Jesus said, unless you're born again of water and spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the water and spirit. You'll not see the kingdom of God. It's very similar to the phraseology in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. If John 3, 5 is an important and essential teaching, then would we agree tonight that Hebrews 12, 14 is an important and essential teaching? 
that without holiness, you will not see God. That's not me. That's Bible. That's what the Bible says. However, again, referring to our culture with people's lack of holiness, uh, hunger for holiness, they have a lack of hunger for the Word of God, and the Word of God don't carry as much weight with them as it used to. They believe somehow they're going to work it out with Jesus when that time comes. It's not going to be that way, but people choose to believe that for some reason. I believe that the principles of holiness are the same everywhere around the world, but the application can be different because culture and traditions vary from continent to continent. So again, the concepts and principles of holiness are the same everywhere from our foreign missionaries, everywhere they go, all over the, all over the world. They have to be very careful how they present holiness. They can't present it the American way in most places. They have to tailor it so the people in that particular culture and country can understand it. I'll also mention tonight in passing that we talk about holiness standards and that has been beat into the, to the ground since I was a kid, holiness standards, holiness standards. But for lack of a better uh, phraseology tonight, there's four areas of holiness standards that that Pentecostals believe, Pentecostals especially believe, these four different areas, they, they get them overlapped and mixed up and what have you, and then it turns into... Then there's traditional standards. Traditional standards says whatever the church believed in 1960, that's what we have to believe today. That's a traditional standard. Um, I was raised, and I think this is a fair illustration, um, that... When I was a kid especially, when I was a teenager especially, churches frowned on men having facial hair. But an exception was made in my local church. Uh, we had a black minister that came and preached one Sunday at our church, and he had a little mustache over his lip, and that was okay. The reason it was okay, because in that time, that was a cultural standard. There was a lot of black men, and some of them still do, way back, would have just a little thin mustache, uh, and it was a cultural thing, and it wasn't a big deal. And I think I, I'm totally on board with that. So you have biblical standards, you have traditional standards, you have cultural standards, and then you have personal standards or personal convictions. And this is where people get into trouble. Um, I have a brother that won't wear a tie tack, a tie clip, cuff links, none of that. He only wear a watch. He feels convicted about that. That's fine. That's his personal conviction. Where he would make a, a mistake is try to pawn that off on other people. Does everybody understand that? So that's a personal conviction. So there are Bible there are Bible based standards, which, in my opinion, are a minimum requirement for what God wants, what God desires out of us. And I'll tell you next Wednesday night, especially, why that desire is there. So, but as your relationship with God develops, you may develop personal convictions. Don't impose them on others. It's important when you approach holiness, you stay open to God. I hope all of our young people are listening especially. Stay open to God. The more you develop your relationship with God through holiness, the more of God you will see. Now understand what that means. 
There's people that develop a relationship with God through the conduit of love. There's people that develop a relationship with God through the conduit of faith. They develop a relationship with God through the conduit of needs. But if you develop a relationship with God through the conduit of holiness, God will reveal himself to you more and more and more. Again, I remind you of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Everyone agrees that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on, found in Galatians 5, 22 and in 23, is an essential part of discipleship. Everybody wants, especially when you're working with and relationship with, dealing with Christian people, it's wonderful to have the fruit of the Spirit made manifest if there's a conflict, a problem, whatever, we need to maintain a Christian standard. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And everybody believes that's important. It's necessary. It should happen automatically as a byproduct of having the Holy Ghost work in your life. You shouldn't necessarily have to be taught that. You should just be that because God is on the inside of you. And that's one way that God manifests himself in your life. Okay. So if the fruit of the Spirit is an is an essential part of discipleship and relationship with God, so also is holiness. You can't take holiness and shove it away and say, I can be everything I want to be with God and have my way with God and all that kind of stuff, the Word of God, but I'm not going to fool with holiness. You, you can't separate it out. Um, relationship with God is incomplete when holiness is not an essential part of it. So to follow peace with all men... That's the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we all get along with each other, is through the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, the practice of the fruit of the Spirit. That's our relationship with man. Holiness is our relationship with God. Holiness is the conduit that God chose for us to be in relationship with Him. The word follow is to pursue or maintain a lifelong desire. It's to pursue it. I'm going to talk about this in a moment. But holiness is not a destination. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's, it's what you live, and you live it to be pleasing to God. Holiness is not what's perfected in our life. Everybody understand that. Holiness is not what's perfected in our life. God is in our life, and holiness is a result of it. I know a lot of Pentecostal people through the years that's made an idol out of holiness. They worship holiness. I'm holy, I'm holy, I'm holy. Look at me, I'm holy. Whatever. You've missed the point completely. You have a relationship with God, and as a byproduct of that relationship with God, holiness is evident. So holiness is not attaining to a point. You never get to a point where you can look and say, everybody look at me, I'm holy. It's not a destination. It's a lifestyle. Getting married is a destination. Staying married is a pathway. It's a relationship that endures, the Bible says, until death do you part. And holiness is very similar to that. So it's not a, a, a attaining to a point. Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The word conversation means lifestyle, conduct, and behavior. 
So what Peter is saying, but as he which hath called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of lifestyle, conduct, and behavior. That's what the scripture is saying. Why? Because it is written, be ye holy, God said. Why? For I am holy. The essence of Christianity is holiness. That's the ultimate manifestation of God on this planet is holiness through people. Why? Because that's what God is. That's who God is. The true manifestation of God in your life is a holiness lifestyle. I hope everybody's on board. Y'all's expression kind of got your eyebrows. You got both eyebrows meeting in the middle right over your nose. Holiness is not our God. We are holy because of God. So there's three reasons to be holy. First of all, to please God is why you're holy. It's why you live a holiness lifestyle. It is to please God. We belong to God. We all belong to God. First of all, we belong to God by creation. Ezekiel 18.4 says, God said, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So all souls belong to God. So we belong to God. The minute we were born, our soul belongs to God. The minute we were conceived, in my opinion. B, second, we belong to God by redemption. Man sinned, and God redeemed or brought us back to him. So God, our soul belongs to God, and God purchased our redemption at Calvary. So now he bought us back out of sin. What spurred Paul to write, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and spirit belongs to God. Everything we are and possess belongs to God. The second reason we're holy is for others. We want to see people's lives changed. If becoming a Christian doesn't change your life, then what's the point in becoming one? If people do not see a change in us, then why pursue a lifestyle of Christianity? By living a holy, moral, righteous, and clean life, we show people an alternative to an unclean, immoral, and unhappy lifestyle of sin. So we can show people through our lifestyle what they can be saved from. Alcohol, nicotine, drugs, immorality, immodesty, all of that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they, the world, may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The third reason we are to be holy is for ourselves. Very simply put, if you want to see God and be on good terms with Him, this is really the only conduit that will get you there post-salvation. The Bible is very clear. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So understand this principle about 
your body being a temple of the Holy Ghost. If I bought a piece of equipment, it will come with instructions that say something like this. And all of you men here tonight, especially, that's put something together just because it looks obvious and it don't work. And when all else fails, read the instructions, right? Usually you've seen a clause somewhere on there that this piece of equipment, whatever it is, is to be used only in accordance with the manufacturer's specification. I've seen video clips, literally, of somebody with a little 20-inch push mower mowing like five acres of weeds that tall. It wasn't made for that. And then they get frustrated when it burns up and it quits working. It wasn't made for that. Or you buy a little mini bike like they used to have when I was a kid. And I've seen grown men riding one and jumping dirt piles with it. And they hit the ground and the thing bust apart and, and now it's no more good. They were using it for something. It was not designed to be used for. So if I ignore the instructions and use the equipment other than what it was made for, then I will do harm to the equipment and I will void the warranty. When you violate the teachings of the Word of God, you do harm to your body because you were not made to live in sin. You were not made for that. Your body's not going to hold up to it. Has, have you seen people that just live that hard, hard, sinful life? And I mean, they're 50 years old and they look like they're 98 and they're just, they're tired and it's just awful. It's because they've used their body. They've put their body through things that it was not designed for. So if you live a clean life, if you live a clean life, Actually, a little side bonus here outside of holiness. If you leave a, live a clean life, you'll get a better rate on your life insurance. Did y'all know that? Have you ever signed up for life insurance and they ask you them 400 questions? Are you this? Are you that? And have you done this? And have you done that? And all that kind of, do you smoke? Do you drink? And all that. If you haven't, they'll give you a little better rate because your chance of dying anytime soon is probably a little bit less than someone who has lived kind of on the edge. Listen to pastor tonight. If you harbor hate and envy and bitterness and jealousy and fear and all of those things, you will do harm to your body because you were not made to live harboring those feelings. If you live a lifestyle of sinful habits and immorality, you do yourself harm because you were not made to live in sin. Now, a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old has a hard time understanding this. Oh, I can shoot up once in a while, and I can have sex once in a while with whoever I want to. But wait till you're about 50 or 60 years old and see what kind of shape you're in living that lifestyle. It may take it a while, but be not deceived, because God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Young people, please listen to that. Live a godly, clean life. Live one because it helps your marriage, it helps your family, it helps your kids, it helps you on your job. Every problem in our society today, and I say this boldly without any doubt whatsoever, all the problems in our society right now goes back to sin. Every lasting problem we have in our society, it all goes back to sin. So that's why... Living a holy life is so beneficial, is so profitable 
outside of pleasing to God. You say, well, how can I live a holy life? The Bible gives us at least three things that enables you to do it, that gives you power to do it, that gives you the ability to do it. First of all is faith. Faith will enable you to live a holy life. The Bible said in several places, actually, the just shall live by faith. You understand here tonight that our salvation comes by God or grace. Salvation comes from God through the conduit of grace. We understand that, right? We're not saved by works, but by grace, lest any man should boast. So it comes from God through the conduit of grace. We receive it from God through the conduit of faith. Faith is what enables you, your faith in God. No man can come unto God unless he believes that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith has to be a component if God is going to engage you through the salvation process. You have to have faith. As much as faith will enable you to believe in repentance that your sins is going to be forgiven, to believe in water baptism that your sins is going to be washed away, that your faith will tell you that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. If faith does that for you, then it will also enable you to live a holy life. The doctrine of grace means that salvation is a gift of God. You cannot earn your salvation. You don't live good to get God. You get God to live good. You don't work to salvation. You are saved, and then you work from there. We live holy not to get saved, but to stay saved. We do not live by legislation. If your approach to holiness is in this question, you've missed the point, and I'll explain it more, uh, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. It's not, Pastor, if I do this or that, will I go to hell? That's not the approach. It's like telling your spouse, if I cheat on you next Friday night, will you divorce me? That's stupid. Who wants to be in a marital situation like that? So for you to say, what can I get away with? It's not the right approach to a relationship with God. That is the wrong way to think. The question to ask is, am I in a faith-based relationship with God? If I am, then I will do whatever it takes to please him. Kind of like the marriage situation. It works real good when you work really hard to, to please each other. It, it helps, right? It helps to love each other, but it also helps to please each other. So if you're looking for shortcuts in your marriage, you're not going to have a real good marriage. That's common sense. The same applies to our relationship with God. It doesn't make any difference how much you say you love God and how much faith you claim to have in God. Holiness is the conduit that will reveal God to you. And a lot of people I've known through the years, even here at Grace Church, has all the faith in the world, but they won't pull the trigger on living for God through the conduit of holiness, and they wonder why their lives are empty. I have faith. I love God. I'm, I'm, you know, I do all of this. There's another huge component missing out of your relationship with God. We need to consider that. The Bible teaches we must be 
obedient and submissive. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Everybody say liars. I saw somebody tell somebody one time, said, you, you liar. Because they had lied. I didn't mean to scare y'all. Two or three people just jumped about three inches straight up out of their chair. I think it was that loud. Um, but all liars, liars. Little white lies, little fibs, little untruth, little half-truths, all that. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth fire and brimstone. The Bible makes a strong statement here. If I'm a liar and if I believe the Bible, then I'm going to stop lying. Right? Is that common sense? Everybody say that's common sense. So if I believe God, I'll believe his word. If I believe God, then I'll believe his word and then I'll pursue holiness. Why? My faith in God's word will enable God's grace to work in me and change me into what God wants me to be, which he wants us to be like him. And if you're going to be like him, holiness is a part of it. Why? Because he said, be ye holy for I am holy. Am I making sense to anybody here tonight? So we are saved by God's grace. God's work in us. Not through our goodness. So we receive God's word through faith. We walk by faith, which is the basis of your relationship with God. Notice if you say, I know the Bible says this about this, but I am not going to do it. If you say that, then no matter what else you say about having faith in God, you don't. Faith is manifested through the conduit of belief. Belief in God and belief in the Word of God. So if you believe God, if you believe in God, then you'll believe the Word of God. And you'll take what the Word of God says and apply it to your life. I can't make this any more simple. Um, so faith will enable you to live a holy life. The second thing is love. Love will enable you to live a holy life. And man, this scripture is so powerful to me. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, if you love me. It's very similar to being married again. We'll get into more of this next week. It's, it's similar to being married. That, Honey, if you love me and you tell me you're going to be at home at 5 o'clock for dinner, and I go through all this trouble to fix dinner, and then you don't show up and don't call or nothing, and you keep, you've repeated this for about the past three years, I've kind of reached a point where you really don't love me. Is that fair? Y'all don't have to be so stoic. I'm not asking trap questions here tonight. You can nod your head a little bit. I know people here tonight, I've talked to you about it, that your spouse makes all these promises, and they don't ever fulfill those promises, and so you assume they don't really love you anymore. Jesus said, if you love me, You'll do what I've asked you to do. <laughs> oh, the things that husbands and wives will do for each other 
not because it is law. I'll talk about again more about that later. It's amazing what they'll do for each other. It's not because it's a law, but it's just simply because they love each other. If you are divorced, then in a very small nutshell and making a very broad stroke, if you're divorced, then one really ceased to please the other. If you really love God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You will want to please the one you love. That's why I've taught it for years, especially our young folks at school or whatever. People, well, why do you dress like that? Why don't, why don't you drink and smoke and cuss and cheat and all that? You don't have to go through this long discourse on, well, let me get in my theology here about what the Word of God says and let me break out the King James Version and I'll show you. Don't do that. You don't have to say none of that. A, it's none of their business. B, I do all of this just simply because I know God and I love Him. And this is the way I please Him. You got a problem with that? That's my answer to that. And I have answered people that way. You listen to pastor here tonight. Love is stronger than the law. Love is, love is way stronger than the law. And sadly, some people think loving God is legalism. It's like loving your spouse because it's a legal issue. It's because I was brought up this way. It's what my mom and dad did. I'm staying married because my mom and dad stayed married. My daddy did prompt, prompt, prompt to my mama and she stayed married to him. He didn't love her. If he did, he wouldn't have treated her that way. And that's not why I'm staying married based off of my parents' model. I stay married tonight because I love my wife. That's it. And if I do things in front of somebody that pleases her and you don't like it, lump it. If I want to call her my little sweet honey patat, get over it. If we could develop that posture with God, seriously, if we could develop that posture with God, who cares what people think about how you treat somebody you love and what you're willing to do for somebody you love? There's parents here tonight that have gone, oh my goodness, to the end of the world for your kids. And people all along the way saying, why are you doing that? You need to do this, and man, you need to do that. You need to quit doing this, quit doing that. You can't help it because you love your kids. Do you understand that? If we love God like that, who cares what people think? <laughs> Amen. I didn't mean to get preachy, but it just fit right there real quick. <clears throat> Legalism is earning your salvation by your good works. You cannot save yourself by your good works. Some say the alternative to legalism is doing what is right in your own eyes. And that's where our culture is trending right now. We have a, I know a lot of people that's doing what they think is right in their own eyes. Forget about what the Bible says. I'm going to do my own thing. You listen to pastor tonight. The book of Judges is full of that statement. Go home and read it. They did what was right in their own eyes. And it was no utopia back then either. The book of Judges is filled with chaos and heartbreak and tragedy and disaster and murder 
and stupid decisions. You know who's the ringleader in the book of Judges pertaining to stupid decisions? Is a man we've all heard of all of our lives named Samson. He didn't have a king and a pastor and a priest and this one and that one telling him what to do, and he ignored his parents. And look what he ended up, and he was gifted by God. I mean, he could pick up Tokyo, Japan and cart it off somewhere if he wanted to. He was a strong dude. That's a little exaggeration, but you get the point. But he was stupid because he did what was right in his own eyes, and it got him in trouble. There's no one on the throne, and there's no one to be accountable to. So the, the, the proper alternative to legalism is not liberalism. The proper alternative to legalism is love. Love is stronger and far more demanding than the law could ever be but far more rewarding. And marriage, obeying the law, doesn't produce intimacy. And marriage, obeying the law, doesn't produce relationship. And marriage, obeying the law, doesn't produce children. The law says... Or it used to here in Louisiana. I don't know if it's still on the books or not, but it used to be on the books in the state of Louisiana. The law says don't commit adultery. This is only a safety net. It's a minimum requirement. If I'm tempted and think of the consequences of what will happen to me, my marriage, my family, my ministry, or career, then the law stops me. So if I say in marriage, I'm only going to keep the law that I need to understand, it doesn't promise a happy marriage. There are many ways I can be crude and insensitive without breaking the law. If I love my spouse, then I will do far more than the law requires. If you love God, you'll be stricter on yourself than pastor could ever be. If you really love God, you'll be stricter on yourself more than even the Bible could be. Because you love God. Love is that powerful. It is. You don't believe it? Anybody here tonight have kids? I know how you feel about your kids. Everybody in this building, you would die for your kids. There's men here tonight, no question. You would lay down your life in a heartbeat for your kids. I've seen our mothers. It touches my heart at how strong and powerful people, how, 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 just how they manifest their love for, for their kids. There's people here tonight that do it for their spouse. Why can't we do that with God? Why can't we love him that much? You're not going to heaven unless you do. Sometimes we want to know what do I have to do to be saved or what do I have to do to be a member in the church or what do I have to do to be used as a leader in the church? These are legalistic questions. Go home and ask your spouse, what is the bare minimum I can do and just stay married to you? And see what kind of marriage you're going to have. I've heard it. I haven't heard it lately, thank God. Maybe people are starting to finally listen. When you get up and teach a Bible study like this or preach a sermon along this line or whatever, you know, you get the attitude, well, show me that in the Bible. If that's your attitude, I could show you in the Bible and you're still not going to believe it and you're still not going to do it. It's like using the Bible the same way you'd use the IRS tax code. 
and I believe in that man using the IRS tax code and find every loophole I can. We have a good accountant and he helps us with our taxes and man, he spits out more stuff. Well, you know you can do this. It's all legal. But when it comes to Uncle Sam, why pay more than you have to? I've never written a check to Uncle Sam and said, you know, I'm going to give him another $100 just because I just love the government. They're so accountable and they spend money so wisely. <clears throat> if I can't find a loophole, a claim or a deduction, if, if I can find one, I'm going to take it. I love my country, but I'm not going to pay more than what's necessary. I can't treat God like that. My country doesn't provide me the incredible things that God and his word do. Our attitude should be, God, what do you want me to be? What do you want from me? A lot of holiness questions are difficult to answer because we have the wrong attitude. It's not a minimum requirement that keeps us out of hell, but rather what will draw us closer to God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand the throne of God. You want to know how much God loved you? But if you want to find somebody asking for minimum requirements, I think Jesus should be the one asking. I mean, God, does it have to be the cross? And if it is a cross, does it have to be all three nails? I mean, could we get away with two? Did you have to put them in my feet? I could have hung there with just two in my each hand. Let me hurry, and I'm my last point, point number three, that empowers you to live a holy life it's the holy ghost this is your power source there's electricity obviously in this building but until someone turns it on it does no good god will not make decisions for you nor does he nor does he do your praying and fasting and bible study for you either your discipline you discipline yourself to do these things when god talks to your heart and mind and you lean on the holy ghost to do what god enables you to do it's not by a demand of the law, but by the leading of the Spirit. He will lead and guide you into all truth. God gives you the ability, but you have to take the responsibility. It's like being married. God gives you the ability to get married if you want to. You'll find somebody that'll dumb, I mean, somebody that loves you enough to do it. You can get married. That's not the problem. Is staying married. I've said this to many couples. Most couples spend more time during their engagement planning their wedding than they do their marriage. And that is a fact. The wedding takes precedent over getting married and staying married. Um, you can do it. Can we do this? Yes, we can. And I'll remind you of the kind of church that God is wanting to rapture out of here. He's coming back after a bride without spot or blemish or any such thing. It's not necessarily coming back after a faith-filled church and a love, lovey-dovey church and all that. He's coming back after a church 
without spot or blemish. Folks, I've had people challenge me, and I've told you this before. Why don't you just give it up on holiness, Pastor? This church will grow exponentially. God's not coming back after a big church. He's coming back after a holy church, right? And my job and my calling here at Grace Church is to do my best to build a church that God can rapture out of here. That's my job, and that's what we're trying desperately to do. So if you're kind of crossways tonight with, with Jesus and the Bible, and even pastor about holiness stuff, please have a good pray through the Holy Ghost and just, just start submitting a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And it, it, it don't take God long to restore you. And you can be back in a place of joy and contentment. You can get rid of that conscience that nags you when you go to bed at night and all of that. Um, and I don't want anybody to be deceived here tonight. Uh, holiness is what God's after because that's who he is. Yes, he's a God of love and he is love, but he's also a God of holiness and you can't separate the two. You can't separate the two. So we'll stop right here and uh, maybe next Wednesday night I'll wrap this up and jump into the next one. We'll see, but I think you get the point. I want to be pleasing to God. I want to live a life that's, that's pleasing to God. And just because our culture is not into it, doesn't, that doesn't take away the, the, the word of God. It don't take God out of the equation. It don't take the word of God out of the equation. We have to be what God wants us to be. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. I deeply appreciate you folks. Love Grace Church. And we're coming. We're coming. If you didn't watch that, on, go back on our website and watch the service Sunday. And you'll understand what that phrase means if, if you were not able to be here. But we're coming. Amen. Grace Church, is, Grace Church is on the move, and I'm excited about it. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Fellowship with one another. And uh, have a good night tonight. <clears throat>